Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. I'm Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by any means possible. Starting businesses, having investments, creating side hustles, freelancing, all that sort of stuff. And today we're going to be talking all about how you can create a marketing agency, one that actually helps other companies to make money and you will make money in your marketing agency. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Who would you think in any business would be the highest paid employee in any business? Would it be the CEO? Maybe would it be the guy that actually creates and you know is a manufacturer of the product that actually created it, the owner? Would it be possibly the engineer? Well, I'm here to tell you that the highest paid is almost 100% of the time going to be somebody that's in sales, that's in marketing, the ability to make money by getting that product out to more people. If you have a sales business, that sales business is counting on the salesman to make sales. And if you think about it, usually salesmen are on a commission. So just like a car salesman, they can make a lot more money than anybody else inside the business, the car selling business, because they make commission. If they sell a lot of cars, their commissions go up. The more cars they sell, they get more of a bonus, all that sort of stuff. And so today we're going to be talking about how you can create a marketing agency, and this marketing agency will get your customers' information and products and anything that they sell out in front of customers. And most companies will pay a premium for really good marketing agencies. And the reason why is because this marketing agency is going to make them even more money. Imagine like if you had Facebook ads. Your Facebook ad, hopefully, you're going to put in a dollar for an ad, this is just round easy numbers, and hopefully you're gonna put in a dollar, but you're gonna make $2 back. So you put in a dollar and you bring in $2 back into your pocket. That's a great return. What if you make $3 in return? What if it's $4 in return? It's so much better when you have somebody or ads or a marketing company that is helping your business grow. Now we're gonna be talking all about how you can do this too, because I have a fantastic expert on the show today. And also I wanna show you how to invest in real estate. That's what I do, that's how I quit my J-O-B. I wanna give you my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777, and I will get you my real estate investing course absolutely for free, showing you how to find an area of the country to invest. No matter where you live, I'll show you how to find a new area, how to buy the right properties, how to make sure you're making $250 or more in passive income, how to scale your business so you can quit your job. Go ahead and get that, and it's also the link will be in the description. All right, let's start the show where we have Jeff Venn, who's going to come on and show us how to have a fantastic marketing company so we can make money helping other companies to make even more money. All right, let's do this. Jeff Venn, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Dustin, I'm glad to be here. Can't wait to unpack uh, some of the stories and things I've been through. I love it. Now, Jeff, how do you make money to provide for yourself and your family without working that dead-end J-O-B? Yeah, so I'm actually a business owner, a marketing agency owner, and I've been at that since 2005, so a hot minute. And yeah, I created a company 
And so, yeah, I have roles there and work there, but also I get the benefits of, of having this asset and this thing that runs with many pieces without my involvement day to day. We definitely got to jump into all that. But I first want to know, uh, 2005, when you're starting it, you obviously didn't just, you know, start it out of nowhere. What were you doing before? And then how did that transition you into having your own business? And, you know, what kind of feelings were you, were you scared, you know, quitting your job? And so talk to us about before and then how you got into where you're at now. For sure. So I started in my late 20s and I have one unique thing that was going on at the time. I'd been married for two years and I had a little kid that was barely a year old. And I had a very stable corporate job. I'm here in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida, and I was at a municipality. So basically, I went to the University of North Florida. I got a computer science degree. I minored in graphic design. And I got into the IT department, uh, this giant um, municipality, and it went really well. But that was before work from home. And I lived at the beach, and it was like 12 miles in town and like door to door because you had to drive all the way in, leave the beach. I'm a big time surfer. So in the spring, it was just hard. You had to be there, you know, essentially nine to five, eight to six or whatever. But I just remember like driving over the first bridge to get off the island, driving all the way downtown in traffic, parking across the street in the parking garage. I was a late kind of guy. I'd get in there by nine. So I'm at the fifth floor of the parking garage, down the stairs, across the street downtown, and then into this, like, think civil service, right? This is a city and municipality up to the 13th floor, you know, the old wood paneling, the old carpet that's well-maintained, but just that stuffy environment. So that was kind of my reality. I enjoyed it. I rose to leadership really quickly. It had actually a pension plan. So how did I stay there for 30 years? I get 80% of my salary for life, you know, when I got to my 50s. But uh, it just wasn't for me, man. It was just sucking my soul. And a lot of it was the commute. But then being at a civil service bureaucracy, you ever, you know, walk into your job and you're just like, man, this, this sucks. Like there's just a lot of moronic activity going on. I actually worked at the county government in California. See, I surf on the West Coast where it's freezing over on Florida on the East Coast. You're going to be able to not have to necessarily wear a wetsuit over there. I'm wearing wetsuits all the time, but I did the exact same thing. I was working for the county government and I literally thought, oh my goodness, I'm working around people who have no ambition, who have no desire, no drive, no nothing. And they're just falling asleep at their desk. I, I can't be here anymore. I'm done. I got to get out. And so you're there. Now, How did you just decide, I'm just going to go up and quit and start a business? Or did you maybe start it and start working your way into getting customers to make money, then were able to quit? Sure. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business owners, because as the marketing agency, um, a lot of our customers are established businesses. But there's so many ways to do it. The way I did it is a pretty straightforward way. Web was really taken off at the time. So this is like 2005. So building a website was a big deal. You know, you might just even for a simple like, you know, Amanda's Pies website would be like 10 grand to build all by hand or something crazy like that. So I was like, hey, these websites, I'm a computer science programmer. I have graphic design minor. I want to do projects that finish. You know, I could work for my house. So I hatched this little plan in probably early 2005, the year I quit. And I was just like, let's see if I can pick up a couple projects. And I set this metric of working 15 hours a week because I just want to make sure I could put in the 15 hours. And then it went pretty well. And I was selling websites for some low thousands of dollars, doing it all myself. And I thought, man, if, if, I can just get enough for three months salary planned out like promises for jobs or milestone payments, you know, I'll try because I thought worst case scenario, you know, I'm 28, 29 at the time. If I quit, they'll hire me back. I'm on really good terms there. And 
just say like you're a mortgage broker or say whatever you're doing, it's unlikely in a year your, your skill set would be completely like obliterated. So I was just like, what the heck? I'll just give it a go. Not with antenna coming back. So launched this plan and got that three months cash lined up and put in like a three weeks notice uh, for leaving in October. But my first lesson in business was about cash flow. Probably get into that. So that's how I started. 15 hours a week, side hustle, proved I could sell it. Obviously, digital was a growing thing, still is, and and it, you know the litmus test passed. That's fantastic. I so what's funny, little little similarities. So when I was in college, I started my own graphic and website website design company. You know, you doing HTML and Java and all that stuff, creating websites, and it was literally just all me. I decided to give that up because it was hard getting customers. So that's the first thought. Like if I'm going to start a, a marketing agency or even just you know a company where I'm servicing customers, how do you get customers to get enough that three month runway? of jobs coming in. And then obviously, hopefully you get more jobs and be able to get the next three months and then the next three months and so on and so forth. But how do you get customers so that you, they, you make sure that you're going to be getting paid? Yeah, it was interesting. So at the time in 2005, I think I was making um, 84 grand with healthcare and stuff like that. And remember, I'm, I'm newly married and have a one-year-old kid. So there's some responsibility there. So it wasn't too bad. I had like 15,000 in the bank, which you know was enough for maybe two and a half months of just if I didn't bring any income. And then, you know, a website at the time, I think I was making three to four on up to six a pop. So let's just say I landed, you know, seven websites at, at three grand. I was doing all the work, literally, which was fine at the time. That's $21,000. And if I needed, you know, five or six grand a month to live, you know, it, you know, five websites at three grand will pay for three months of work. So that wasn't unfathomable. But what I did was this actually, I remember now I went to the Jacksonville Chamber of Commerce and then everybody knows about BNI, Business Network International, where basically you're like a little little sales. Everybody's just trying to sell each other. But guess what? You know, I got Jimmy's Tire Store and Joe's Remodeling and it was enough to get by. I hated waking up early and there were seven o'clock, like 30 minutes away. And I just remember like BNI was gnarly. But between BNI and word of mouth, I, I did build the business and I slowly fired myself from every part. We'll definitely get to that where we talk about firing ourselves from the parts, which I think is uh, something most people need to think about when they're, especially when they're starting a business. But something that every business owner needs to eventually do because there's so many there's so many people that are smarter than us at every single position that we're trying to do now. So, what I think it's a great idea that you actually went out to find businesses who are or basically find customers. Like you went to where they are, even though you forced yourself to wake up early and get there, which you're right. They do wake up that early. I remember doing that myself, going to uh, small business workshops, um, administrations and stuff like that, and actually try to meet people. So when you start meeting people, do you literally just say, hey, my name's Jeff Ben, and I have a uh, company? Like, how do we then transition that? Because meeting them, which is great, but then do we have to be like a really hard salesman? Do we have to have a portfolio of work to get started? Or like, what would you suggest to, as we're talking to these businesses, hopefully we're going to be finding some people that we can actually talk to. Yeah. So unless you're like a, a software as a service business, or you're like, you know, selling clothes online where, you know, like I'm not going to talk to the people who make the bed sheets I just ordered off Amazon. So there are cases where, you know, interactions are impersonal, but for a lot of people listening, if they're like me, they, people ultimately buy from people, right? So, you know, as a young guy in my late 20s, I was likable. I knew what I was talking about. And honestly, it was just based on people liking me. And a lot of times, like, I'll give references or people want that rarely, and they will never follow up with those. Or I got a couple sites I've done, and I've treated the people real well because I don't have that many customers. So, you know, that likability factor is really good. And if you know what you're talking about, say you're doing photography or you're going to, you know, run social media, 
um, people, they got a problem, they got an itch. So that part wasn't too bad. Getting in front of enough people is a big deal. And qualifying people, right? We can get in front of the wrong people. That comes up a lot, even to this day with what we do. And you're going out there, you're finding customers, you're getting sales. And then there comes a point where you actually have to start hiring people. So let's say after we've already got a few customers and hopefully get some repeat customers, but we're getting word of mouth, people are seeing what we're doing. And we need to actually realize that we don't have enough time in the day to actually do this. What is the first step to, or is there a first step to hiring the first person in our company to make sure that we're actually working on building our business as opposed to just working in it? Yeah, there's always this tension. And I, I think it exists at any level, like, a, you know, say from hundreds of millions, well, they have more assets, but let's just save into the low millions of dollars of revenue that a company is, you know, do you anticipate growth and hire or do you get so overwhelmed that you're about to die and you hire and like it suffers? And, you know, it's kind of very common to have a feast or famine thing. And I went through this to where, you know, I'd land a bunch of websites or, you know, it was a lot of one-time work. So it'd come in clumps, right? Ideally I'd land three websites a month, but I would land one big one or none for five weeks and then two. So yeah, there comes a point in time where you always have to be selling even in a recurring model. And so I would just get kind of comfortable and cruise. And when the, the pain got up, I would get back out there. It didn't mean that I was never selling. It just meant I would get three websites. And this is how I hired the first person. A website at the time took about 40 hours to code. I never really worked more than a 40-hour week. So you, you figure like one website, just the coding parts, 40 hours. So if I landed three websites, 120 hours of my time was on hook, right? That's a big chunk of time. The graphics design part was fun. It took maybe six to 10 hours. Selling it was fun. It took a couple of meetings and you know a little time on the proposal. So yeah, I looked at that thing. It was eating up the most time and it was also the easiest to outsource. So that's how I picked that one. And I was able to go overseas. I'm digital, right? But with the way the world is today, it's so easy to get help. So outsourcing your finances and bill keeping when it's time for that, that's one that's a no-brainer. It's very concrete. And same with outsourcing the website. Like it either looked like the design or didn't. It worked or didn't. So that's how I got like 40 hours back. And you know that changed my world a lot. I lost some money, right? I had to pay out some, but um, by and large, by you know hiring overseas and stuff like that for the coding part, it worked. That's great. And as you're developing your business, you're hiring a few people here. And you mentioned something a little bit that we I definitely want to touch into. So you're hiring people to actually do the work, which is great. But then a lot of entrepreneurs say, you know, I'm just going to keep doing like the books myself, or I'm going to keep doing the accounting myself, when that might not be the best use of their time. You said hiring somebody that would help with the finances. What does that look like? Or what does that actually mean? A lot of people who start businesses are creatives, and they suck at getting contracts signed and payment terms or you know, if you're a photographer and you're so excited, you got that first shoot, you'll do 20 million edits and reshoot it and stuff like that. And you lose money. So financing was one of those where I obviously always collected money, but I didn't, I didn't do a good job at it, um, sign agreements, or I wouldn't feel good about billing the customer a lot until I finished milestones that motivated me. But people are like, I'd send in two invoices at once or like back bill it. And, you know, businesses like predictability in their accounting departments and things like that. So that's why I outsourced the finances because cash flow would get wonky. And I ended up having to like at times in the beginning charge my own credit card at the time at the bank and then route it through PayPal. Of course, I paid a, a fee, but uh, it's because cash flow can be super wonky. So that's why finances is super important. You could get a CFO or sorry, CPA style help for low hundreds a month and they'll balance your books for you, keep you out of trouble with taxes, all that stuff and give you good advice. I definitely agree with that. And 
being able to also worry about, you know, even just charging your customer or re- letting them know, hey, this invoice is due. I personally don't like doing that. I like to, I like to create. I like to help people. But like when it comes time to asking them for money, it's not the easiest thing. When it, I was doing it for another company, it's easy because it's not my money and I don't. It's not my customer necessarily. Like, oh, just my job. Okay, they, hey, it's time for you to pay your bill. Okay, they pay their bill. So. I love that idea, and also having that that extra check just to make sure you're not doing anything that's going to get you land you in hot water with the IRS or anybody else, which is really really smart. Now, you also mentioned something about how you would also fire yourself, and then like I, I definitely want to talk about like what does marketing entail? You have a marketing business, but now since we're talking about employees, what do you mean by firing yourself and? How does that help your business? Yeah, so certain things I mastered and got sick of, you know, or they took a lot of time and the coding took a lot of time. After a while, as much as I love design, I got sick of it. After a while, about 12 years in, I just got sick of selling websites. I could sell them with one eye closed and writing with my left hand or using the mouse with my left hand behind my back, but I just got sick of it. So at some point, in order for the business to grow, in order for your spirit not to wither on the vine, you got to get out of certain roles. And I think the most time consuming roles are a building the stuff, you know, right. Assembling it, mailing it off or balancing the books, but you know, kind of practical stuff, but be account management, you know? So right now we have like 15 major recurring online marketing customers. So we'll run like ads for them, do search engine optimization, monthly stuff. And then at any given time, we maybe have 10 big websites initiatives going on. So right there's 25 customers that are actively like looking for stuff from us. And then there's about 50 that are passive on hosting or we're not talking to at the moment. And so if I had to be aware of all the things that were happening with those from the billing failing on the hosting to, you know, someone wanting about one little part, like the business would just shrink. And so what I've learned is, is and it's a hard one to do because you want people to, you know, I want people to work like with clients the way I did and whatnot, but like attracts like, so you can't overcome that. And when you do, it feels so liberating before my inbox ruled me. When I went to, and I only worked 40 hours a week, mind you, but it didn't mean that I didn't stress about stuff. But, you know, logging in Monday morning or trying to leave Monday at four, my inbox kind of dictated where I was at. Didn't mean that I did everything everybody said, but that pulse was. And so when you can get out of that day to day, oh my gosh, you can start thinking about marketing. You can start thinking about how you're treating your team or bonuses or hell, take some time off. You earned it. I agree. And I think what I love is the idea that instead of working in your business, like day to day working in the business to do all the work, you start working on your business to grow it, to make it better so that you can have more employees to provide them with more jobs, service more customers and just make your business better. So I think that's that's a great idea. And then once you get there, you're able to, like you said, even just take time off because usually empl- entrepreneurs, we're working so hard on making our business just have cash flow, which I definitely want to talk about the, the idea of cash flow. And as we're doing that, we're like trying to pinch pennies. We're trying to cut, not necessarily cut corners up for our customers, but we're trying to do everything on ourselves because that'll save a little bit of money. But it becomes a time where it's diminishing returns that you're working so much that you're not actually growing the business. You're actually making it detrimental. So we'll talk to us about cash flow. And you said that you were using your credit card to help float the payment, go through PayPal and all that sort of stuff. How important is cash flow in your business? I was so bad and I can talk about this now because it's in the past. So here I am early 30s. I actually ended up with four kids by accident, three maybe on purpose. You know, life was expensive and I was pretty good at like going, let's just use round numbers. I'll just say 10 grand. I was pretty good at going like, hey, 10 grand's on the books. And when this milestone finishes 1500, this, that, and the other. But 
you know, when you invoice someone, the money's not there in the case of how I was doing it back then. And yeah, I would just get behind or I'd have a slow month and have those invoices I sent out not paid. And all of a sudden I'd have this little dip. So at the time I had a home equity line of credit and it was right there in the same bank account. So obviously I don't like living off debt. If I'm living off credit or savings, like red alarm, I'd constantly like have to slide in four grand and slide it back out. And every now and then it climbed to 10 and be a little slow and it was super stressful. And um, once, I think this was before, the home equity line, I remember, I don't like using credit cards, but I had a credit card and I just had to get paid. So I literally went and ran it as if I was a customer at the bank. All of a sudden the money shows up 3% fee, but I got that money. And at that point, it's kind of scary because um, businesses do get like that. I feel like if you haven't sweated payroll for yourself or others, you haven't been in business. Like even the big companies fold and go bankrupt, but oh my God, man, those are really bad. So what is cash flow? It's just that. And I learned though that when the bank account's empty, it's not going to stay that way, right? You're either going to go out of business eventually, or you know. And also, sometimes when it goes well, you know, you get on cruise control. There's lots of jobs. There's extra money, and you assume it's always going to be like that. Well, we saw with the pandemic and other things, or you know, 2008, nine. It can change on a dime. So, cash flow is truly cash flow. In closing, I would say, you know, get paid before you do the work, which we do now. Uh, get signed agreements and get people's credit cards. It's really simple and have structured payment plans. People really respect that. Accounting departments at companies that you work for that are your clients really respect that. So nowadays it's possible to get 50% down or if we're doing that recurring online marketing to uh, bill up front for the month, or if you're a photographer, your contract says, hey, I'm going to go do this shoot. I'm going to provide like two hours of edits. Any other edits, glad to do, but they're a la carte at this rate. And as soon as someone creeps at that line, be like, hey, man, we're at an hour and a half. You're going to do this last one. If you want more, I'm glad to do it. Guess what? People either shut up gladly or they're like, oh, yeah, man, two more hours. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is like my full make a profit rate. So that's what I've learned. So I love that idea. And it seems like you started a website and then you scaled to SEO and things like that. Like when you consider yourself a marketing, tell me about like what are all the options that somebody could hire you for as a marketing company? Yeah, for sure. So it's web design and online marketing. So obviously like we'll build the site, we'll optimize the keywords on the site, we'll you know, track the phone calls and forms. So all the things that you need to do to build a site and keep it up. But then once the site's live, like how do you drive traffic there? How do you rank it in Google? If it's a local dentist, how, you know, someone searches dentist near me, do they see you in the maps listings and see the stars come up? Uh, how do we utilize paid ads? So he might want to get emergency dental appointments. So how in his zip code do we have the Google ads come up, you know, for urgent 24-hour dental care? Or a lot of times that people go to a website or we go to a website. If you're like me, you don't buy the first time. You leave the site. If we turn on remarketing, which a lot of our customers just don't do. So we come to them and like, turn this on. You get 8,000 visitors a month. This orthopedic clinic, everybody who came is not ready to book an appointment. So we just turn on remarketing and follow the ads around. So not only do we do the website, but we do the things to drive the traffic there. So that's mainly paid ads, search engine optimization, and then staying in touch with the customers via like email, blog, social media, like getting the content out. So is that something that if I were to start my own marketing company, I would jump into all of them at the same time? Or should I start with like you did website and then kind of continually maintenance of websites and then work about SEO and then ads? Or is it something that we could just literally do all of them at the same time? I would highly, highly suggest, and here we are 15 years in in my uh, web design and marketing agency, niching out, 
And so you can niche out on a type of service, like we could just do paid ads or a more common niche is to niche in an industry. You know, honestly, so we got two agencies going on now. We, we have a strong footprint in the medical space. About 60 cents of every dollar right now is medical, but that medical is varied. It's from hospital to like family care to like orthopedic doctors to like Medicare up in New York for HIV patients. We have niched down into orthopedic practices. So think, you know, bone hip replacement, shoulder doctor, that kind of thing. And it has changed our lives because before, even as I'm doing right now, it's like, oh yeah, we help small to medium businesses from $500,000 in revenue to 3 million. Well, guess what? Websites are a commodity. So it's often a race to the bottom. Now, once again, a lot of times people buy on your likability, but if you ever want to grow at scale or take yourself out of the business, you know, no one's going to be quite as passionate as you are. So unless you've developed a really good marketing machine and, and scripts and all the things that goes with it. So I highly recommend people niche and just stick to a few services. In the beginning, you're so hungry for everything, but by going after everything, you'll you'll ultimately you know get nothing and or be in a market that's hard to compete in. Like Wix has websites, GoDaddy build your own site. Like my cousin does websites, like, you know what I mean? Like website, for example, is so commoditized. So I think having a niche is super important, doing that by industry, but then also you can do it by service. That's fantastic. And would you find that the like the ads, like YouTube ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, um, Instagram, all these different ads, is that something that you have, to, it might be wise to, to hire or get education on yourself because it seems like you could lose a customer's money very, very fast and not get any return on that. Yeah, it's it's terrible. So not so paid ads are awesome. Here's why. You can track every grain of click, of impression, of headline variation, of phone call, of purchase, of form fill. So you can track it all. So if you put a dollar in the paid pay-per-click engine, you can actually track it very well. But with that said, um, you know, Imagine I'm at B&I, right? So I'm making an analogy here. Imagine this is your first ad campaign that you're ever running on Facebook, you're ever running on Google ads, and you're going through the little wizard. But the first time I get to B&I, as good as my website design was at the time, it was pretty good for what I said. Like, I can't pitch it, right? I don't even know. Like, I might talk in technical terms and they don't. So the big mistake I see with ads is people just like launch a campaign and determine it doesn't work. Um, and lose hundreds and thousands of dollars along the way. If you're small, like spending $500 seems like a lot, but your industry may need two to three grand to actually make a dent and actually pay itself back. So I highly recommend on ads, like, get, you know, if you're small potatoes, say you're, you're starting out and you want to run ads for yourself, you can definitely, you know, get some freelance help on Upwork or take a course or two, but ads are really tricky. However, when they go well, like for the orthopedic, Pedic clinics we work with, they make about $800 an appointment, right? So if they're spending two or three grand a month and getting, you know, 30 appointments at $800, right? It's a no brainer. But ads take time. I think any kind of marketing takes time. You got to get offer, offer, offer. You got to religiously test. And a lot of times that's outside of um, a person's wheelhouse to even operate like that, to have that level of discipline. Yeah, I find that if if and when I do ads, hiring somebody who actually has a company that does this, that, that understands it. Like I've tried to learn Facebook ads or YouTube ads or something. I, I'm just not smart enough. It, it seems like because it's just so much work. And making sure you're tracking all the measurements and everything. It's just, it's so much. I'd rather be the creator. So hiring somebody like your company to actually do it is going to be so much better. Now, Jeff, you've given lots of great insights. Let's jump into the rapid fire round. Now the rapid fire round, questions are short, but your answers don't have to be. So the first question is, 
you've given us lots of great advice on everything in this. Is there anything we might have missed? Is there anything else that we need to learn other than just you know getting started, which everybody knows we want to get started? But is there anything else if we're going to start our own marketing company, what we should look for or do? Yeah, I think digital marketing is a great space to be in. I think a lot of life is about discipline. So whether it's starting a fitness program or trying to better relationships. It's all about, you know, getting under some kind of mentorship or training and just being disciplined. Uh, I think when we have a good why, I don't mean some magical why, like, you know, it's got to like, like grow wings and fly off like an angel. But, you know, if we really dig deep and be like, man, I want this entrepreneurial hustle. I want this game. And we apply disciplined thinking and get mentoring and get help. Uh, you can really pull it off and it's satisfying. So, I would say one thing that I wish I would have done earlier is got any kind of coaching. So I don't, it could be you go to a, a free meetup group that has enough like-minded people or you pay $300 a month or, you know, currently we pay in the low thousands, but it's, it's paying back in dividends. So it's a very lonely game. There's a lot of crazy mistakes to um, make in the beginning. And just because you heard us talk about cash flow, it doesn't mean you're going to do any of it. I bet you're not going to go look at your milestone payments in your contract right now, though that might be something you should. And a coach will hold you accountable to work on those things that will really move the needle and actually get them done. So mentoring, coaching, get it. Do it. Buddy up to someone. You'll be all the better for it. I mean, then we could do a show, whole show on each one of those topics. So that was awesome. Okay. So what is one bit of advice that you would give your younger self? Pick an age, I don't know, 10, 15, 20. When you're like, you're obviously have a lot of experience now. What's one bit of advice outside of what you just gave us? It's funny. I asked that question on my podcast. You know, life works out the way it's going to work. And we made, you know, I made the decisions I made based on the knowledge I had at the time. So if I could go send some magical thread through it, I don't know. And that's because I can't think of something, but there's no magical answer. I think life, I will say this, if I knew at the time that if, if I let life shape me more, right? Because we're all going to experience pain. We're all born. We're all going to die. We're all going to have people die around us. This is a real painful thing. We're all probably going to fall in love and be in a relationship and maybe have kids. There's a lot of joy and a lot of pain in it. And, but it shapes you and it ends up being okay. So, um, but I was so hype at 20 or 25, man. I, the world was mine. I was never going to have pain in my body, never going to be sick. It, a lot of things you don't have to think about, but yeah, I don't know. Like let life shape you. And that doesn't mean roll over, but you know, life will send the signals to you when relationships are over. It'll send you health signals when things are bad. And some signals don't even have a why. And it's just to embrace the suffering because, you know, it's probably going to get better or you're going to get out of here. That's great, Jeff. Okay. What is one nonfiction book? Could be business, life, any nonfiction book that you would recommend we should read? Yeah, I have one I, I absolutely love. I like books that are almost like a daily reader, right? So this book is called The War of Art. So it's a little play on the art of war. It's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. He's a famous author. Some of his books turned into movies, but he talks about resistance. And the premise of his book is in any kind of creative endeavor, whether it's you know, treating someone you love better or starting some fitness re regimen or even, you know, doing your own plumbing company, you're going to hit massive resistance. But until you like fight that resistance and get in the game, you're never going to be satisfied. And maybe perhaps that's where a lot of addictions come from or checking out. Or I know at times I've, you know, I've been divorced and I party really hard and it's all good stuff, but it's not getting me anywhere. So The Art of War by Stephen Pressfield, overcoming that resistance and creative blocks, beautiful book, kind of simple reads you know, miraculous, beautiful prose, perfectly well-written. All right, Jeff, last question. What is one 
tool that you use on a day-to-day -day basis. It could be an app, a piece of paper, and a pencil, something like that, but that we should use or look into using ourselves. Yeah, so I got a good one. This one's becoming more popular, but um, Grammarly, like grammar, is my grammar correct? Uh, Grammarly, so grammar.ly, it'll check all your stuff and fix all your sentences and stuff because you know, as an entrepreneur or communicator, like even if you emailed me and you spelled like, hey, here's the time wrong, I'd just be like, this guy's a bozo, man. Time's like T-I-M or something, right? So Grammarly will catch that little stuff. I can't tell you how many times even back in the day, I just, well, I did do it, but just running spell checker. I was like, oh my God, that was in there. Like this proposal was perfect. So Grammarly, Chrome extension, keyboard thing, you'll never send out just the total grammatical boof again. That's cool. Jeff, you're going to have so much great advice. I know somebody's going to want to reach out to you, hopefully maybe even use your services. How can they find you? You said you had a podcast. Like, how can people find you on the net? Yeah, so we're, we're doing okay, like agency-wise. We're glad to help. Um, but I am at jeffvin.com. So that's J-E-F-F. Vin is V as in victory, E-N-N. So jeffvin.com. And I love to uh, mentor millennial entrepreneurs, Gen Z entrepreneurs. And so you can check out the mentoring stuff I do. I eventually want to open a co-work space here in Jacksonville and in years run a retreat center for entrepreneurs to recharge and get in touch with all sides of their life. So jeffvin.com, you can see the agency create studios there and also the mentoring thing that I call Converge. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for your time. You gave us a lot of great wisdom. So I appreciate you, man. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. Bye.